0: Hey, this is Matthew Modine. You're listening to my friend Steve Benz on The Blend. Peace. Welcome back to the latest episode of The Blend. I'm your host, Steve Benz, broadcasting live from what we call the Loving Basement Studios in downtown Chicago. Now, we do have a guest today, got a brand new CD out. Great music, one of the great voices, and it's a duo. Great voices of the '90s. Let's welcome back Matthew Nelson. Matthew, how the hell are you? It's
1: good to be back in the
0: basement. How are you
1: doing?
0: See, they don't want me to see sunlight at all, so I'm always in the basement studios. They're just never gonna let me be up on the seventh floor.
1: Uh, you know, I don't blame them. Us, us vampires gotta stick together, brother.
0: <laughs> See, that's where all you guys, you know, the musicians, you guys are like the coolest people. And then us radio guys, if we can be in the basement with you guys, that's what garage bands and all these basement studio stuff are all about. Or at least that's what I continue to tell people.
1: Oh, I agree. It always, you know, the music starts and winds up back in the basement. There you
0: go. Always. Now, you've got a brand new CD just released called Peace Out. Now, how cool is that to release that?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, because Gunner and I actually... Um, I always say this is the album I didn't think was ever going to get released. Uh, we had kind of a an agreement with the two of us that the last album, called Lightning Strikes Twice, was going to be probably the last Nelson album for a while. And the truth of it was we were you know on the road an awful lot. You know, I had a baby. Well, actually, my wife had a baby. It would have been me, trick, fighting. But, you know, so I kind of got caught up with life. And next thing I know, Gunner calls me up and says, Hey... I need you over at my studio for uh, a day or two days just to do your bass parts and your background vocals. So, said, why, what you got going on? He said, ah, I finished another rock record. Okay, <laughs> I'll show on up. And we actually uh, finished recording it, but for the most part, this is one of those albums that, uh, you, know, I'm definitely, you can definitely hear the Nelson signature sound in the vocals, but this is pretty much a Gunner solo record. And it's, uh, it's interesting to get it out, because the, the whole point of it, I guess, calling a piece out, was pretty much the last record that we can imagine doing with uh with our band nelson for quite a while
0: now are you a little jealous that he kind of he's pretty much taken over the entire album
1: not really uh not really i mean we have very very different styles i mean uh-huh. i think that if i if i would have created this album it probably would have gone in a different direction you know i think gunner has a tendency to to you know his musical tastes kind of skew a little bit um more kind of like uh 80s and 90s mm-hmm. you know hair metal and mine are kind of more progressive you know uh, he's more White Snake. I'm more Foo Fighters. So that's just the way that it is with the two of us, and I think that's why it works.
0: Wow, I hadn't thought of White Snake in Foo Fighters. Now that's kind of a cool combination. <laughs> White Fighters. There you go. I don't see. Know. There you go. And you know, you guys got to grow your hair back out. And uh, you know, I'm still jealous of your great hair. Okay, can I say that? Is is that okay if I say that?
1: You can say it if you want. Sure. The way Gunnar and I actually, as you can imagine, we uh. Well, we were known for looking like the you know the hot Swedish chicks, and you know for people to remember the late '80s, early '90s. You know, you know anything prior to grunge, if you didn't have long hair, you were you're kind of out of it. And um, Gunnar and I were the king hair farmers, and I think unfortunately, you know, nature nature helped us out, but in, in hindsight, you know, we were actually one of those bands. I always called us the, the band that that wasn't like everything else. You know, Gunnar and I came out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our musical DNA was, was more of like pop folk and that type of stuff more than, than blues. And if you think about hard rock, you know, it's it's a little bit easier to sound tougher when you're doing, you know, minor chords and, and, and blues progressions. And, and Gunnar and I were, you know, Southern California, our dad with the Stone Canyon Band or the Beach Boys or, you know, the Birds, the Hollies, that kind of stuff. That's kind of what we grew up with, you know, later the Eagles. So for us it was all about Really great melodies and vocals, and um, this album, you know, was interesting to me as as uh, you know part of this duo in, in the fact that Gunner, you know, I mean, I co-wrote a couple of the songs on it, but literally I hadn't worked on him in years, and you know, he worked on it. He really he really wanted it to be a guitar album, and um, that's what he did. Is he pretty much locked himself in the studio and made a record for people that liked, you know, rock and roll guitar, and uh, that's what you have with Peace Out.
0: You know, listening to your music now and even back then, now I am bold enough to say the music that you came out with in the early 90s actually influenced the other California sound like Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray that came out later in the 90s.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if, if funny enough, Mark McGrath, um, he used to write songs with, uh, well, later on with a person that we used to work with. And, you know, that whole, I remember the guy that actually mixed our very first number one single, I Can't Without Your Love and Affection. His name was David Holman, and uh, I remember working on that song with him. He, his prior hits had been uh, mixing songs for Olivia Newton-John, of all people. And uh, he was, we had a little studio. He had a little studio in the Hollywood Hills, and he was mixing our our first single. You know, it was the last song to be mixed. I, actually, Love and Affection almost wound up on the cutting room floor before we redid it with him. And I remember seeing this piece of gear in the corner, and, and uh, it was a keyboard called a PPG wave. It's mm-hmm. a weird funky duck. It made one sound. And I said, Dave, what is that? And he said, well, that's a special keyboard, and I'm saving it for a band, and I'll know it when I hear it. If there's a song that needs a part that sounds like this, that's what that's there for, and until then, the cover stays on it. And um, a couple of years later, he said that he got a call to mix a band from Southern California, from Orange County, that had uh, basically broken up, and it was their last gasp, and he was going to mix a single and see what happened when they threw it at radio. It was a, a band called No Doubt. And uh the song was just a girl and that bump, 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 right keyboard that he had been saving. So, you know, we're all kind of interconnected in certain ways.
0: And there really is a unique sound to Southern California and even Orange County. Where which side of the line were you for Southern California? You know how you remember those days in the nights? Nice, I'm sure you did. But there was an Orange County sound versus some of the other sound coming out of California.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, we all you know. Let's face it. When you're in California, you drive. You know, or you kind of crawl through the traffic but you're driving everywhere but there definitely was an orange county sound. You know, Gunner and I were you know we were up north I, we grew up kind of all over the place we were little kids actually um, born in the hall ho- in Burbank California which is mm-hmm. in the valley mm-hmm. had a house in the hollywood hills with our parents then they moved down to laguna beach which is orange county right they uh, always had a, a house down there then we moved back up into the valley and then Gunnar and I wound up graduating from high school on the west side of, uh, of LA and um, so we kind of made the rounds a lot and we always used to play nightclubs, and there were clubs all over the place. That uh, you know, mostly was on the west side of LA, but we made the rounds down into into Orange County, and you could definitely tell that it was. Um, I think it was a, a friendly music war mm-hmm. that was going on, mm-hmm. and uh, we're old enough to remember the the first wave of punk rock that came through Los Angeles, and then new wave, which we were a part of, and then the hard rock stuff that hit the Sunset Strip, and frankly, Gunner and I were really more of the guys that realized that it was all about hit songs, and either you have good songs or you need them, and we spent more of our time, even after years of playing in clubs, we went back and started writing and, and really recording, and that's really what broke our band, really, was uh, we wanted to have a sound that you could identify listening to three or four seconds on the radio, and I think we still have that for the most part.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, McGrath's been on the show a couple of times, love him, cracks me up. You know, and, and hearing his band come out um, on their Under the Sun tour, they're really kind of a guitar-driven band. Is that what we're going to hear when you guys uh, go in support of Peace Out when you hit the road this summer?
1: Well, I mean, there's no question that it's a guitar band. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we always have been. You know, it's, it's guitars and vocals. And this, this album is actually, as I mentioned before, decidedly edgier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be a, a personality thing. It might be something, a statement that uh, primarily Gunner wanted to make. But uh, it is definitely um, one of those albums that's that's geared around people that like uh, heavy electric guitars. And uh, we've always had a band that goes out with us that is better than they need to be, really. I mean, we're really kind of a hard <laughs> pop band, if it really comes down right, to it. Right, right. And we have, we have virtuoso players that play with us, so we can kind of hold our own in, in that realm as well.
0: Wow, that's always good to know that you're playing with uh, band members that play better than you. Like me, you know, I'm I'm really good at triangle and fake tambourine. So in case you need any help when you get to Chicago, I'm right there for you.
1: Well, you got it, but, but I never said that they play better than we do. <laughs> I just said that they're better than they need
0: to be. <laughs> I just threw that in there. See if you caught that at all, right? <clears throat> yes. Uh huh.
1: Self-deprecation only goes so far.
0: Now, with your the new CD out there. Now, I had the pleasure of seeing the music video for Rockstar. First of all, that song just freaking kicks ass, my friend.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Now, getting back into the video world, which you are part of and huge, and part of your success is because of MTV. What was it like to go back into the studio and, and do a video in support of Rockstar?
1: Well, we made a couple of videos. As you know, it's a, it's a different type of video world for mm-hmm. all the kids that grow up now thinking that a music video is, is something you shoot on an iPhone. And you can, which is great if you're talented and you know how to light and all that stuff. I actually know people that are actually doing it that way. But when Gunnar and I started out, uh, believe it or not, it's the 25th anniversary of our first release and our first videos, we made many movies. We shot on film. They took days to make. And we had crews and we had lighting guys and we had you know producers, directors. I mean, our videos cost a quarter of a million dollars apiece make and that's kind of the world that it was everything was a lot more expensive to produce quality stuff and if you had to do post-production or you had special effects we'll just keep on adding up the money and mm-hmm. it's okay it's not like that was given to us we always had to pay that back with record sales or tour, tour receipts or things like that but uh this video i think for what it is it has a really uh i think a really good production value mm-hmm. and uh, to 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 say it this way, because of technology, we invested in the right people, yep. and it was a fraction of what we used to make videos
0: for. Now, could you tell us who came up with the concept or even directed it?
1: Yeah, there was a, a guy named um, uh, Devin. The, the director is uh, Devin. Gosh, what is his last name? Um, I just know him as Devin. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll come up with his last name and the thing. But we actually filmed it in in uh, Los Angeles, where he has a, a studio, mm-hmm. and um, his company. You know, we just rented a. We rented a warehouse, and it was really the first warehouse video that Gunnar and I have ever done, where we just set up a, a rock band in a warehouse and lit it and, and rocked it out. And we finished that video, we wrapped it, and then we went next door to where they had a green screen studio and shot a second video. We actually did two videos and two photo shoots in the same day. What? And um how Gunnar and I work. You know, we work, we work hard, we work fast, and you get it done.
0: Yeah, you can't do that in, in the olden days like us, because now that you aged us at 25 years since your initial release. Thank you very much. I appreciated that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So,
0: I mean, you still you still look the same. So, thanks. I appreciate that again.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's you gotta you gotta do it when you get the chance. Um, I mean, for for me, uh, I'm I'm just really lucky to, to still be making music mm-hmm. for a living because that's all I really wanted to do. You know, the the fame and the success. I mean, the the initial explosion that happened with our band Nelson was, um, I'm not going to say that we didn't expect it, but I don't think anybody expected it to happen the way that it did. You know, for everybody, mm-hmm. it just kind of came out of nowhere. Gunnar and I always say it was the world's longest overnight success. You know, we we worked <laughs> and worked and worked years and years and years, and then all of a sudden just kaboom, and it was because of MTV. Right. Is because we got a chance to host on MTV, and at the time. They actually played music videos, and it was the most powerful radio station in the world, really. You know, people left it on and just kind of, as part of their culture. And um, that kind of went away, which is a really sad thing.
0: Yeah, MTV kind of killed my uh, my film career, so thank you very much again. So,
1: <laughs> well, I had nothing to do with MTV <laughs> itself. I wish I would have come up with that concept, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just, um, I, I think that it's really neat that people are still making videos and all mm-hmm. that. It's... Um, it's just the distribution has changed. You know, you've got you all kinds of stuff like, you know, Satellite and uh, YouTube and things like that. It's Everything's instant, and uh, I kind of wish that it... I miss a little bit of that, having to actually get in a car and drive to a record store when there are record stores and, and wait, you know, like put in an order for that band that was coming out with a new CD and, you know... Pretty much everything is so instant right now. I, I feel bad for a lot of the kids that are growing up. They'll never really know what it's like to be into a band for years and and wait for that next release.
0: You know, right? Because they just they download the one single and that's it. That's all that they know. So that's why, like my kids, have no concept of sitting through an entire CD. Like none whatsoever. They'll just skip, 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 and it's over.
1: Yeah, my uh, my wife's girlfriend has some kids that are I think uh, thirteen and fourteen, and. And I asked these, these guys, I said, so what kind, of, what kind of stuff do you listen to? What bands are you into? And they're like, eh. I'm like well, what do you mean? Eh, what, what, who's your favorite band? I'm like, oh, i like, I don't have one. Well, what, what's, what's your favorite song right now? I don't know, whatever's playing. And it's kind of like music to to a lot of the kids now. It's like background noise. And, um, you know, for me, it never was. It's, it's, it's a telltale thing. When I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last month, Gunnar and I played uh, actually in Cleveland, and... You know, our dad's an inductee, second mm-hmm. year, and um, I'm, in, I'm in charge of that company, so I kind of work with them on, on his image. And and their biggest concern is, is kids coming into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they don't seem to care anymore, yeah. just about the whole thing. And I think we're kind of seeing things swing back into real music and organic music and rock and roll um, because everything is so pre-processed and so fabricated that... You know the people that can actually, that actually took the time to learn how to play instruments and put in the, the, the sweat equity and and you know it, that stuff still rises to the top.
0: So right, and and certainly all the auto tuning that continues to go on just kind of kills anyone's ability to make music or even sing.
1: Yeah, I mean Gunnar and I we live in Nashville, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee now. We moved from California a while ago, and this is still a place that um, that hails live music mm-hmm. and people that actually show up and play an instrument and sing and, and all that. And there's not, you know, I'm not going to say that, that the auto tuning and computer stuff, it's now kind of become a part of, of everybody's uh, technique and studio palette, really, that they go to. But uh, I think here, and I've seen it because I still work in Los Angeles in sessions and sessions and, you know, all over the place, that um, the tuning thing, it, it's a little less here. You know, people really kind of want you to do it for real. But I have absolutely, I've actually produced sessions where people could not sing on key, and the computer made them sound like they could. And, you know, I felt like a fraud when I was doing it, but, you know, it was a production gig, and I had a job to do, and, and um, I think what you do see, though, is a lot of artists are relying on this technology to uh, to avoid having to put in the energy to, you know... I mean, Disney's been doing it for years, and Nickelodeon, you know, find these kids that are big TV stars and they'll throw in the studio, and a guy will tune their voice and move it and shift it and cut it up and loop something and put out a single and you know to me songwriting and and music means a little bit more than that i kind of want to put a little more into it i'm not saying that that simple songs don't have their place you know i still wish that i was paul mccartney you know but the fact is it's uh you know As long as you feel it, I'm in. As long as it's real to you, I'm in.
0: Right, and then the one knock on our generation, the music of the 80s and 90s, was music video. You didn't have to have any talent. You just had to look good on it. So I'm glad that era is over. And certainly, I would ask, did Nashville influence your brother's writing for Peace Out?
1: Well, I think the only thing that influenced his writing for Peace Out was his old record collection, Um, to be honest with you. I mean... You know the record company that that put this album out. It's called Frontiers, and they actually specialize in in bands that are um, that still have a, you know a, a large fan base that that had a lot of success in the past, primarily, but that um, you know for the most part are going to ha- you know they're not going to be the hot new thing mm-hmm. out on the market, mm-hmm. and it's going to be to go after those those older fans. So I don't think that Nashville really you know affected. You know, Gunnar jumping in the studio and kind of locking himself in there. Um, I think, you know, when we came off the road, you know, we did 100 shows last year, so it's a lot of time out on the on the road, and he's got a little studio in his home, and that's one good thing is he, he's, you know, we both have come up in, a, in a, a studio world where we had to use analog recording tape and analog recording desks, and it wasn't just in a laptop. So we had to learn the hard way, and now that these tools are here to, you know, make it possible to uh, to do most of a record the way that my brother did and have it sound good, you know, it, it worked out well that way. But I think the only thing about Nashville that influenced making this record was the fact that his home's in Nashville, and that's where
0: his studio is. Now, if you could go back to any single that you guys produced over the years, and Lord knows you've got a lot of them, is there a single that you would like to, if you had a chance, remix it or maybe... Redo the vocals on, like one that you go because you're seeing a lot of acts kind of bring back songs. A great example is John Waite. John Waite just redid Missing You. What a great version of that! The number one huge smash. Would you go back and say, Hey, let's re record After the Rain 25 years later?
1: We already have, you know, I, we also re recorded Love and Affection, mm-hmm. um, and all I did was. Make sure that when I, I I took a shot at it, that it wasn't like trying to recreate what we had already done. Mm-hmm. It was kind of giving it a different a different spin. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard the John Waite recut of Missing You, but um, David Thoner, who mixed the the majority of our first album that sold a lot of copies, mixed Missing You. That's actually why oh. we picked him to uh, to work with us. And the thing about records and the th- is it really a lot of it has to do with the the moment it's Mm -hmm. capturing a moment Mm -hmm. and I actually went in the studio a couple of years ago with a project I was working on a side project called Red 37 with a one of the greatest record producers in history um and we went into Sound City which Dave Grohl did a a movie about this recording studio the the producer was named Keith Olson and he basically Mm -hmm. produced Fleetwood Mac Rumors and uh all of Pat Benatar's stuff and actually John Wade's first band the babies and all this stuff I loved growing up and we tried to re-record and redo a couple of songs that I had already done with this band and we just couldn't it was technically great but it didn't have the energy yeah. there's just something about trying to recreate an energy that's really tough and so my experience with that to answer your question is yeah you know, we've already we're actually going to be re-releasing after the rain our first album this year fantastic and Yeah, we're actually remastering it and coming out with a couple tracks, and one of the tracks is going to be a complete reimagining of Love and Affection with a new single. And I'm excited for people to hear it because, you know, people that don't know the first single will just go, wow, that's a great song. You know, um, people that that remember Love and Affection from 1990 are going to, uh, I think they're going to be surprised because you can actually take a song in a completely different direction, and I'm just a big believer in a great song is a great song no matter what you do with it as long as you respect it.
0: Just like doing covers of other songs that you that you love. Is there a song or a band that the two of you would like to cover their song or their hit? Is there one that just just jumps out at you?
1: You know, Gunnar and I have done a couple of those. We've actually been on a couple of projects. One was a tribute to um to Van Halen and mm-hmm. we we did our own version of Pretty Woman, you know, their version of the Roy Orbison song. Yep. We also did a tribute to Queen, and we sang Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Um, and on one of our albums, we recorded a band called Sweet. They had a song called Piece of the Action. Mm-hmm. We cut that as well. And again, what it comes down to is as long as you're not trying to copy exactly what somebody else has done, I mean, there's no way that we're going to compete with Freddie Mercury or David Lee Roth or you know, even the sweet, but it's it's a matter of kind of doing your own thing to it. I just think it's sacrilegious if you, you know. The way I look at it is if you do a cover, it better be in certain respects at least as good if not better. Right. Otherwise, you're wasting your time.
0: I totally agree because I was scared. I thought you were going to say, well, yeah, we're going to do a version of Jump and Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> no, not— Just on a whim. Just on a whim
1: just on a whim. No, I don't think we're going to do that. And, um. Um, you know, it's neat to, as, 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 as old as I'm getting, you know, we found out that Brian May was a big fan of our dad, Rick mm-hmm. Nelson, and yep. you know, got to talk to him about working with us. We never got a chance to, at least we communicated with him. And I actually ran into Ed, uh, Edward Van Halen in Los Angeles years ago, and um, we were in a Harley dealership, and I'd heard back in the day he wasn't very kind to our band, but He was a really nice, genuine guy, you know, and uh, we really, you know, I thank him for the music. I think, you know, what it comes down to is I'm still just a big fan. You know, I just love, I love rock and roll and I love music, you know. I I love all kinds of real music that makes you feel, no matter what it is. And um, You know, I'm very thankful for the people that have made the music that I listen to, mm-hmm. you know. I, mm-hmm. I lately I've been fortunate enough to hang out a little bit with Brad Whitford from Aerosmith, who lives here in Nashville, and you know Derek St. Holmes, and get a chance to play with these guys from time to time, jam out a little bit. Derek kind of comes out with our side project, Scrap Metal, and sings some Nugent songs, and you know these are these are guys that that made the records that I wanted to play music because of, and I'm getting a chance to play with them now, and that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, and let's face it. Uh, like Van Halen, those guys had to rip on a lot of people, and then you find out years later they they had all your your singles and stuff. So I always find found that amusing.
1: <laughs> Maybe but, Ellie Bird and did. I don't know about
0: them, but I got you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, they got that. They they there's just that mutual respect. You just get caught in the moment. We all do. I mean, even myself on the radio, I'll rip on somebody because it's a bit, and then here I am playing all that music, you know, years later and going, you know what, that was a pretty good song. I don't care what anybody says. That that Wham song was good.
1: <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I, I always remembered, you know Gunnar and I clearly wanted to be You know We wanted to play music because of Because of the girls And, you know, I didn't really care You know, when Nelson was blowing up huge You know, there were your chick bands And your dude bands, you know Malika mm-hmm. had the black record And then there was Nelson But you looked out over our audience And it was 12,000 berserk girls And for some reason that wasn't cool for me that's like that's a sea of cool right in front of me you know what i mean so it depends on what you're in it for and by the way i'm a big metallica fan anyways i just think there's a big place for whatever it is and and whatever it is that uh, you do as i said as long as you put your heart and soul into it and you know you're not you're not ripping anybody off you know you 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 walk your talk etc you know we had a great time and we we're still having a good time mm-hmm. you know doing what we do and you know, as I said, all I wanted to do when I started was, was uh, play music for a living. And I've gotten a chance to, up to now, do that with my brother for a lot of years. And uh, I don't take it for granted, you know? Every time I go to a show, I'm, I'm the first one in the venue and the last one out. I soak it up.
0: And I know our listeners here love you guys. Every time you're in the area, they show up, they text. This, every time we play a Nelson song, I know I will get a request. I know there'll be a, a Twitter feed uh, posting up your song so you gotta love that you just have to love that after all these years
1: well we got great fans you know and and gunner and i really tried to uh, you know we made a real habit after i always said this you know there was a there was a two-year period of time gunner and i couldn't go, we could not go out in public together because it would literally cause a riot mm. you know so when we were on the road if we had a day off, you know, normally bands would like go to the mall or whatever and get some stuff or kind of pretend that they, they're in the real world. And I remember Gunnar and I couldn't actually do that because it was not safe. And I was terrified back then. I was only 21, 22 years old. I, I thought, wow, what if, this, you know, what if this is forever? I'm here to tell you, folks, it's not forever. <laughs> you know? It kind of, you know, my dad used to say a career is nothing but a series of comebacks yep. and, and deals, and that's really true and you redefine what success is to you you know for me right now you know um i i I still play music that i love to play with people that i love to play it with you know i've got a i've got a a, an eight-month-old little boy i've got a wife of a couple of years that that's awesome i'm kind of living the dream man you know i i i gotta say that i'm i'm a lucky man and wouldn't want to trade places and honestly my fans gave it to me you know without them listening and and I always say this to people. I know exactly what it feels like to play for two people in an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, both of them the sound guys. And, um, you know, if people come to see me perform or see me play or listen to my record, you know, that is the, uh, the greatest gift that somebody could give to me for my efforts, and I don't take it for granted. So I thank them.
0: I totally agree with you, even with what it is that I do. If I'm talking to one person, if only one person is listening or 100,000, it doesn't matter. Got to give the best performance that I can because I'm never leaving. That's what radio was to me. I mean, I got into the biz, and I'm never gonna leave the biz, the way things are. So, although I'm not a rock star like you, but you know, we still kind of come from the same cloth, and that's why I love talking to people like you. You've got the love, and the passion is still there, and that makes this show so much worth it to me.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I have also been really fortunate to travel the world. You know, yeah. it's not just America; it's all yep. over the place. And when you get a chance to go, you know, to Indonesia or some place like that, and and you've released a record and you know, two days later, there are, you know, people jumping up and down, mouthing the words to you, and, you know, they don't speak English. It's pretty amazing to me to realize that, that uh, something that I'll come up with or I'll write or I'll record or whatever, that it literally has the reach, especially nowadays, to mm-hmm. instantly get across the world and touch somebody and, and mean something to somebody. Uh, you always have to think about that. It's that person that you're doing it for, and um, it's the universal language. You know, there's there's one thing that brings people together. It doesn't matter what you believe, even for three minutes of a song, mm-hmm. it's music. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not just something that's background noise. It's not something to be dismissed. It's something really powerful and something transformative. And, and uh, I think that's why it doesn't matter what type of music you play. If you're a musician that's you know, even if you're just around playing clubs, even if you just got your band in the basement, but if you've had the, the the fortune of being able to realize your dreams and make a living playing music, you can see it when musicians meet each other. I mean I don't care who I meet, you know, like the craziest, you know, mismatches ever. You know, I remember I once went to a concert for Henry Rollins in Los Angeles. Henry used to be the the lead singer of Black Flag mm-hmm. one of the quintessential you know, all time greats as far as punk rock. He's an author, he's an actor, and he's a And uh, he has his views. And I remember he ripped my band live, and you know he didn't know I was there. He just said something, and I met him backstage, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" I said, "Well, I think we, first of all, I'm a big fan. Second of all, I think we have some, kind of something in common." He said, well, "Yeah, what's that?" And if you know Henry Rollins, he's got this thick neck, tattoos all over, his yeah, head. and he's pretty, he's a pretty scary guy. You know, and, and I said, well, I think we're both products of, you know, the way the media portrays us. I mean, you know me only from 8 by 10 Glossies and Tiger Beat magazine and stuff like that. And I said, I've never done a teen magazine interview in my life. And that's the way the record company decided it was the easiest way to sell a lot of records. So, you know, people see you, the first thing they think is like, this guy's a deranged lunatic, you know, probably head killer. <laughs> and I said, you're a very intelligent man. I think you've been there, done that. And I just think the whole point is, it's not always what you see. And he said, huh, never thought about it that way. What do you what do you have in mind? I said, well, maybe we should work together sometime. And I actually had him come in to a, a Nelson recording session. He did some spoken word on one of our albums called Imaginator. And it was one of those things that was unbelievable, because here you have people from completely different disciplines, you know, completely different media portrayal. And we worked wonderfully together, you know? And I'm still a huge fan of his. I think he's awesome. And I just think that uh, there's so many people out there that I learn from, that I respect, that that don't do what I do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't like it.
0: Just so many things. People get, at least now, people just get negative just to get negative on Twitter and Facebook. So just love the music. That's all I have to say. Music brings us all together. So I want to make sure that we get to um, your, your latest single, Rockstar. But we want to make sure that People are following you on Twitter and on Facebook. You can go to thenelsonbrothers.com to see information on the guys. Not Nelson Brothers. That's some HVAC company in Texas, I think. So the <laughs> Nelson Brothers. So we'll make sure we go there.
1: Plumbing company. Yeah, you go to Matthew and Gunner Nelson.com.
0: See there you go. And then uh, on Twitter, it's Matthew and Gun. Matthew and Gun, not Gunner. So make sure you get out there. Follow these guys. Get all the latest. Download the latest track, I'm telling you, Rockstar and the latest get the whole C D. It just freaking rocks. Matthew, it is always a pleasure to have you on. I need to have to keep having you come back every year.
1: Well I appreciate it. You know, it's um you know you get half Nelson, maybe you'll get both of us on here full Nelson, but up up <laughs> and you know, thank you for supporting us and you know as far as people, you know, on Twitter, and all that kind of stuff, it, it's tough, man, because, you know, I hated I hated junior high the first time around. Yeah. Man you give you give people anonymity and whatever. But you know what? I learn a lot, too. So, you know, Gunnar and I both have, have thick skins, but, you know, as we, as you said, in, in spite of, you're always going to get your haters. Yep. But for the most part, Gunnar and I have had nothing but really cool vibes, and especially the fact that we have survived making our music for 25 mm. years now. Yep. You know? We're still here doing it. A lot of the people that were doing it when we broke aren't actually on the planet anymore. You know? They just they didn't make it. And um, so we're fortunate to do what we love to do for people that care to listen. And all I could say is enjoy the music and, uh, you know, take care.
0: From the brand new CD, Peace Out, here is Nelson and their brand new track, Rockstar. You guys are listening to The Blend.